0: Thank you, Brother Ralph. And as usual, it is a delight for me to be with you this morning. And I do want to thank your leadership for supporting you the unique opportunity of treating the Word of God this morning. Well. And I say unique because I want to introduce the series on prayer. So in the weeks to come, you're going to hear sermons on how to pray, where to pray, posture in prayer, how God responds to prayer. All in an attempt to help you develop a theology of prayer. However, this morning, I want to help you to develop the right perspective to prayer. I want to help you to understand the importance of prayer in our lives both of which are critical, as Good News Bible Church is in the midst of a major transition. As you navigate the difficult waters of transition, I want to challenge you this morning to dare to dream again. I know that after 30 years with the same pastor, that it's tough to dream. It's, it's tough to, to look forward. Nevertheless, my challenge this morning is just that. That you dare to dream again. And I submit to you that daring to dream again requires a return to consecrated prayer. Please note that I said a return to prayer. Our daily schedules are so, so busy that prayer has been forced out. Prayer has been relegated to the if-I-have-time position. For most of us, when we're waking in the morning, we don't have to make choices or decisions about what we're going to do. Our schedule is already planned. And it's a busy schedule filled with all of the human business busyness possible. But when we look at our busy schedules, let me ask you this question Where is prayer? The busy schedule, but where is prayer? Or are we too busy to pray? That's the title of the sermon this morning. Too busy to pray? If we are too busy to pray, we are substituting human busyness for spiritual empowerment. And we are impotent to dare to dream again. Daring to dream again means a return to consecrated, consistent prayer. Now, saints, this predicament that we find ourselves in, this predicament of being too busy to pray has not caught the Lord by surprise. Amen? In his word, he has given us a remedy. A remedy for breaking through the seductive barrier of substituting human busyness for spiritual empowerment. But before we check out this remedy, we must observe four facts. Four facts that give impetus to our remedy. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2, picking it up at the beginning. Verse 1. To the angel of the church in Ephesus. Ephesus was located in Asia Minor. And it was located right at the crossroad of three major highways. And what that did, that made it a center of business, a center of trade. It was also a center of heathen worship. (laughs) And when we talk about heathen worship, we know that this must be a place that was filled with sin and idolatry. And in fact, the major idol worship there was the worship of Diana, also known as Artemis. And this was the goddess of futility. So this is the place where we are. The church, the angel of the church in Ephesus Right? These are the words of him. Him who? Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior. These are his words. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars. The seven stars here are symbolic of the seven messengers, the seven angels that were being sent to the various churches. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. Lamp the lampstands, lamp stands, symbolic of the churches. And here's our Lord walking amidst the churches. And one of the the seven churches is the church at Ephesus. And then, in verse 2, we see fact 1. The Lord knows our actions. The Lord knows our actions. And that's a fact. Look back again at our text. Verse 2. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. Translation, I know all about all of the hard work that you have been doing, but yet you have persevered even in the midst of suffering. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. He goes on, I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not. And have found themselves false. Translation I know that although you are a busy church, you're into doing all of the the work of the ministry, but you have not tolerated wickedness, nor have you tolerated deception. My brothers and sisters, let's pick up from what our Lord is saying here, something you already know, and I just need to remind you of that this morning. God. Jesus is God. God is all knowing. He knows everything. And twice in this verse, what does Jesus declare? I know. I know. He's saying, He knows it all. He has the full knowledge of all of our actions. Just as He's talking about here, the church of Ephesus, so also He knows. About all of our actions. So he knows about our busy schedules. He knows about all of our human busyness that we get caught up in every day. The Lord knows when our human busyness is necessary. Amen? Now sometimes we just need to be busy. There's something that we need to get done. Well, the Lord knows that. He knows, however, when we're simply Busy to avoid dealing with the problem. For example, the alcoholic who continues to find something to do at work so he won't have to go home and deal with the problem at home. I said alcoholic, I meant workaholic. I'm sorry. And so that's what he does. He works. He gets busy so he won't have to deal with the problem. The Lord knows when our human Business, this being too busy is a result of our lack of planning or our lack of organization. Anybody have that problem? We'll talk about that a little longer, a little later. The Lord knows when we're too busy doing things that are not the priority in our lives. You see, sometimes we can get so caught up in doing something and the good doing of it is good, but it's not the priority. It's not what we ought to be giving ourselves to doing. That's what the scripture lesson was about this morning. You remember that story there? Martha was caught up in all of the busyness of what needed to go on. She was caught up in doing all of the stuff in the house. Well, after all, they had house guests. Jesus was one of the house guests. And so she was occupying herself with the cooking of the dinner and the straightening up the house. You can see her, can't you? Just busy, busy, busy. She was busy dealing with all of the human busyness. But oh no, not Mary. Where was Mary? Mary was sitting at the feet of the Lord. She was sitting at his feet, listening, being attentive to what it was he was saying. She had her priority right. She was seeking spiritual empowerment. And so she just sat at the feet of Jesus, and Jesus complimented her for that. I have to confess to you this morning that I'm more like <clears throat> excuse me, that I'm more like Martha than I am like Mary. Too very often, saints, I confess, you all forgive me, I'm just confessing. Too often I find myself addicted to the busyness of life, to trying to get stuff done. I have my day planner and i got to get all the stuff done. And I get caught up in that busyness, human busyness, because my focus should rather be on the Lord's agenda and what He has in store for me to do. And so day by day I grant, I, I, I pray that the Lord would grant me <clears throat> Thank you so much, bro. This just started this morning. I've got sinus and the drip is falling back. So you saints, forgive me. But my prayer is that every day the Lord would grant me more ability to be like Mary. And to back off from my busy schedule. And to sit at his feet and listen to him so that I might have spiritual empowerment to do what's required of me on that day the Lord knows my actions the Lord knows your actions it's a fact this morning that the Lord knows our actions and that's fact one and here's fact two The Lord knows our attitude. He knows our attitude. Look at verse 3. You have persevered. That is, you have kept going when it was tough. You have persevered and have endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary. The Ephesians had an attitude of persevering and enduring. No matter what the trial or tribulation was that came into their life, their attitude was, we're going to hang in there. We're going to persevere. We're going to endure. Now, although persevering and enduring are attitudes, they do lead to actions. And in that sense, they become attitudes of actions. Someone has said that there are three groups of believers. Those who make things happen. Those who watch things happen and those who wonder what happened. It appears to me that the only one of these that has the proper attitude of action is the one who makes things happen. As Good News Bible Church navigates these waters of transition, what's your attitude toward the ministry? What's your attitude toward the ministry of Good News Bible Church. Suppose you fit into that that group of the ones who watch things happen or the ones who wonder what happened. Then may I say to you, you are not doing what you should be doing. Right now, the ministry of Good News Bible Church demands that you put yourself into that group that makes things happen. Each one of you needs to become a committee of one to make things happen in this church. It's going to take all of you pulling together to dare to dream, to dare to move this church to the next level of ministry, to dare to say we can become the church that God has declared that we are to be. The church that we have been growing and growing to become over the last 30 years. God is not done with us yet. He wants me. He wants you to make something happen. So get involved. Make something happen. Yet I understand that there are some of you, for whatever reason... You simply can't get involved at the moment. But your heart's desire is to be involved. Your heart's desire is to serve. Your heart's desire is to minister to others, to make things happen. Well, praise the Lord with me this morning, because although your actions may not be evident, the Lord knows your attitude. And that's a fact. Verse 4. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Fact 3. The Lord knows our adversary. The Lord knows our adversary. Our actions, our attitudes, and now our adversary. The Lord knows that Satan is bent on wooing the believer away from the Lord to get us so involved in the busyness of life that we forget or that we don't have time for the Lord's agenda for the Lord's schedule and when Satan has been successful in doing this, saints we have a problem and that problem is we have forsaken the Lord we have forsaken our first love look back at our text Yet, even though I, I, Jesus is still speaking here, yet, even though I, I know all the good stuff that you all are doing, here's my problem with you. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. The Ephesians had forsaken, they had let go. A, a literal translation from the Greek would be let go. So they had let go of their first love. They had let go of their devotion to the Lord. Someone asked about my wife this morning. I think it was Pastor Eric. He asked where my wife was. Well, she is in, well, hopefully she's somewhere now between uh, Jennings, Louisiana, and Chicago. She went down to Jennings last Sunday to visit with her mom, who was ill. And also she had planned to go Before Hermione became ill, so it was just providential that that the trip was already scheduled. But she's returning this morning, left, I presume, around 5 o'clock was the plan, and so she's somewhere between here and there. But last Sunday, December the the 20th, my wife, Diana, and I celebrated 40 years of marriage. Amen. Amen. Praise God for that. And after 40 years of marriage, I still am holding on to my first love. Hallelujah. Still holding on to my first love. In fact, I love her more today in 2009 than I did then in 1969. And thanks, I am refusing to let her go. I'm holding on. But the Ephesians, they let go of their first love. They still loved the Lord, but not like they did in the beginning. And, Saints, this is our problem. We have forsaken our first love, we don't love Jesus like we did in the beginning. In other words, the problem is this. We have confused our priorities. We are not putting first things first any longer. The number one priority for the believer is guests. What is this series all about? What are we starting? Come on, y'all, now. You all can do better than that. There was a little kid came up to the, the, to the uh, children's sermon, and there was a frog on the table, and the pastor was beginning to give the ser- sermon to the kids, and th- he asked the kid, well, what do you think this frog means? He says, it's something about Jesus. Now, you know this morning this is about prayer. So how can you not answer that question with some excitement and enthusiasm, say prayer, because this is what we're saying. And God has said to us through his word, That if we want to return to our first love, since we have forsaken that first love, it's going to come by way of prayer. Prayer is to be the priority in the believer's life. But we're too busy to pray. Hmm. Our human busyness has crowded out prayer. Hear me clearly, saints. And that's what Satan's ploy is. That's what it's all about. He wants us to crowd out prayer. He knows what I've just said. He's shuddering now because I, I'm pulling back the shield, the coverings of what he's been trying to hide from saints. It's all about Prayer. And if he can keep us from praying, he knows he's in good stead. But you know, Satan is no dummy. He's too smart to say, no, don't pray. He's too smart uh, smart to say, don't spend time with the Lord. He knows that we are rebellious people. If he told us not to pray, what would we do? We would pray just to rebel against him. So what is it Satan does? What he does rather is he says, pray a little later. Hmm? He says, you're too busy to pray right now. You been there? No, you need to pray, but he says, don't pray right now. It's okay, you're too busy. Pray pray a little later. It'll be okay. Just pray a little later. He says, it's a good news Bible church. Don't join a mosaic small group. Wait until next year when your schedule is not so busy. He says, don't attend the Tuesday morning prayer group this week. Wait until next week when you're not so busy. You're too busy to pray. Prayer's all right, but you're too busy right now to pray. Saints, be aware that Satan, our adversary, is a part of the problem. And therefore, I submit to you that we are too busy not to pray. Does that make sense? We are too busy not to pray. I like what Martin Luther of the Protestant Reformation said when he was overwhelmed with an exceedingly busy schedule. He said, and I quote, I have so much to do that I cannot get on without three hours of prayer a day. On one occasion, Sir Matthew Hale, Chief Justice of England during the 17th century, he said, if I omit praying and reading God's word in the morning, nothing goes well all day. My brothers and sisters, we are too busy not to pray. To deal with the busyness of life, we must focus on fellowship with the Lord, which occurs through prayer. The effect of concentrated, consistent prayer is the release of our anxious, busy schedules, and we begin to do the necessary before the important. We stop giving attention to the wrong details. We start putting the priorities in order. Now that we clearly know the facts about the problem, about our predicament that we're in, this, the question that naturally arises is, what is the remedy? What is the, the remedy to this problem? Well, this brings us to fact four. The Lord knows our answer. The Lord knows our answer. And his answer is found in verse Five, Look there with me. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. Let me read that again. It says, remember the height from which you have fallen. Fallen. That is, remember how you have forsaken your first love. You were here, enjoying the fellowship that comes with him. But now you have fallen. You have moved away from your first love. That's the problem. But he says, the, the remedy is repent. The remedy is turn around. That's what the Greek word there means. It means you're going in one direction, you're pursuing something in this direction, and when you repent, you turn around 180 degrees and you go in the other way. You go the other way. Repent. You change your direction. And in this case, what I'm suggesting to us this morning, we need to change the direction of being so caught up in the human busyness of life that we turn around and we go the other way. We return to our first love. Some of you are saying, Pastor Reed, that sounds good. I'm on board with you. But how do I change? How how do I break through this seductive barrier of human busyness? How How can I stop substituting human busyness for spiritual empowerment? Well, I'm glad you asked because I have the answer, the remedy right here in front of me this morning. And so do you. There are five easy steps to the remedy. Five easy steps. Step one, remember. Remember the example of Jesus. Jesus was task-oriented. He came to accomplish the Father's will, and he did just that. Jesus was the most productive man who ever walked the earth. Yet he took time to pray. Jesus was never too busy to pray. Time and time again we read in scripture of Jesus going to a solitary place to pray. For example, Mark chapter 1 verse 35 reads, very very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Now saints, I ask you, in all sincerity, if Jesus Christ, the Son of God, took time to pray, if Jesus Christ, the Son of God, thought that his schedule was not too busy for him to spend Time alone with God. Shouldn't we? Remember the example of Jesus. Step two. Recognize. Recognize the value of being still. Psalm 4610. You know it well. Be still and know that I am God. Saints, spend time alone with the Lord in prayer and Bible reading every day. Let me say that again. Somebody didn't hear what I said. Saints, spend time in prayer and Bible reading every day. Day. We have to spend quiet time alone with the Lord. Human business can keep us from being still before the Lord. Satan's ploy. One author wrote this. He said, "God has made us in such a way that if we do not have stopping points in our lives, times of being still before God, times of reflecting and resting." Something starts to die within us. We become less human. We become less than what God made us to be. God has made us to be the kind of creatures who need to stop and refuel. Unquote. Being along with God, my brothers and sisters, allow us to breathe spiritual air, which revives our soul. And it's during these quiet times, during these times along with the Lord, during these times when we are being still, that we receive spiritual empowerment. So recognize the value of being still. Step three, realize. Realize why you're too busy. That's just practical, right? Realize why you are too busy. Question, why are you too busy? Is it because you're avoiding dealing with some problem? Is it because you need a little to be a little bit more organized? Do you know that there are only 24 hours in a day? And everybody has the same 24 hours. The key is how you use your 24 hours. So, saying you, you, you need to plan your day. You, you need to develop a plan to accomplish your daily task. In other words, you need to plan your work and then work your plan. You'll get more done. Are you too busy because you're trying to do too much? The old saying is if you want something done, ask a busy person and they'll do it. But are you just doing too much? Do do, do you need to eliminate something from your schedule? Do you need to say no to some opportunity that comes your way? Find out the why behind your busyness. Realize why you're too busy. Step four, reserve. Reserve some break times. In other words, schedule some activities that break the cycle of your busyness. I like what one internet author wrote. He said, when we always work and never rest we experience a subtle form of self-destruction. Wow. And you know what? Many of us are caught up on the treadmill of busyness. And it's hard to get off. You ever try to get off a treadmill while it was still going? And that's how many of us are. We're caught up in the, on this treadmill of busyness. And we're finding it hard to get off. But scheduling a brief change of scenery could help you get off. How about a a stroll through the park? Maybe not today. (laughs) A a, a walk through the mall. Or maybe just uh, go to the the gym and work out. Just a change of scenery. The point is... Getting away from, getting away to where the scenery is different. Getting away from the telephones and the computers. By the way, when you get away, turn the cell phone off, leave the laptop at home or wherever it is. Thank you. Amen. I I despise these things. Do you know the only reason I got a cell phone it was because the district required it. Other than that, I wouldn't have gotten one. I didn't have one the whole time I was in the ministry. People could get me when they wanted me, but not every time they felt like they wanted me. That's another sermon. We won't go there. Getting away from all the pressures that make you too busy can be helpful. So schedule some break times. Schedule them. You know, one of the things, I'm giving you some, some some secrets from my ministry now. You all can't go back to South Suburban and tell them I told you this. But you know, I was in the ministry there for 16 years. And I learned the lesson the hard way that I was talking to Pastor Eric about in terms of, of giving my all and then some to my family and not putting ministry before my family. I learned that lesson the hard way. And again, that's another sermon. But the point of, that I'm getting to now is that I learned how in my day planner, this is before PDAs and all that kind of stuff. I still haven't gone in that direction either. I still have my old-fashioned day planner. But I would put in my day planner, Wednesday, noon, lunch with Diana. Wednesday, I'm sorry, Friday, 5 o'clock, family night. In my day planner, scheduling the break times. And so when somebody would call and say, Pastor... Uh, I got something going on. Can I see you uh, Wednesday about noon? I could, in good conscience, say, No, I have an appointment at that time. You need to schedule some break times. These scheduled breaks allow you time to reflect and be quiet with the Lord, which are crucial to breaking out of your busyness. Reserve some break time. Step five resolve. Resolved to be in touch with the Holy Spirit. You haven't forgotten about him, have you? We talk about God the Father. We talk about Jesus here. But there's also the third person to the Trinity, and he is the Holy Spirit. And if we are going to break out of this human busyness, if we are going to break through this barrier, and if we are going to have some spiritual empowerment, it is going to come through the presence of the Holy Spirit. And a danger for us as believers is that we might mistake our busyness for spirituality. Somebody's not going to like me now. You see, sometimes we, we want to say because we're so busy doing stuff for the Lord, so busy at works, providing for our family, that's a good thing, so busy at home as a parent, caring for and nurturing our children, so busy even at the church, serving that we think that that's what makes us spiritual let me remind you know what the Pharisees were were very busy with religion and they were so busy that they couldn't recognize the son of God when he stood right before them don't allow your busyness to say to you I am so spiritual look at me I am just so busy I'm sensing God's power in my life. Look at what's going on. And I say to you, not necessarily so. Stop. Take time to get in touch with the Holy Spirit. Remember, one of the, a part of the fruit of the Spirit is peace. And with the presence of the Holy Spirit comes power. And if you are so busy now that you are not experiencing peace nor power in your life, then you may not be in touch with the Holy Spirit. And you need to resolve right now to be in touch with Him. Resolve to be in touch with the Holy Spirit. That's it, saints. No big deal. Five easy steps to change five easy steps to break through the the seductive barrier of human busyness and stop substituting human busyness for spiritual empowerment. Now that you know these five easy steps, what are you going to do? What are you going to do with this knowledge? Man after my own heart. Apply it. Use it. What good is it if you don't use it? I was a young, newly trained salesman, (coughs) book salesman. And he had been assigned to a rural area. And as he began his route, he saw a farmer, old guy, sitting on the porch in his rocking chair, just rocking. And so with all the zeal and enthusiasm of a newly trained salesperson, he went up to the the farmer and said, Sir, I have a book here that will help you farm ten times better than you're farming right now. And the old guy, almost as if he was oblivious to the young man, just kept kept rocking. And finally he stopped. And then he looked the young man right in the eye and he said, Son, I don't need your book. I already know how to farm ten times better than I am. I'm just not doing it. Sad and pathetic words. He had the knowledge, but he wasn't using it. Will this be you? Will you simply have the knowledge, but not put it into practice? What are you going to do? Will you determine to apply this five-step remedy so you can break through the seductive barrier of human busyness and get spiritual empowerment? Or are you too busy to even apply the remedy for why you're too busy? Too busy this morning? Then slow down and dare to dream again, which means a return to prayer. Because the fact of the matter is, as busy as you are, you are too busy not to pray if you are to return, if you are to begin to dare to dream again. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We bless you. We praise you. We give honor and glory to you. And we look forward, Lord, as to how you will take the words this morning and apply them to our hearts. Lord, we don't want to be people who are so busy doing stuff that we aren't busy doing your stuff. And your stuff, Lord, begins with our having a good relationship with you. And that comes through prayer. So, Lord, convict us this morning. Oh, Holy Spirit, even right now, might you bring heavy conviction upon our hearts for how we have forsaken our first love. And then at that same time, oh, Holy Spirit, might you give us the confidence and the resolve now to return to our first love. To embrace Him again. To remember how it was when we were first saved. How we loved Jesus and how we would do anything for Him. How He was the priority in our lives. Remind us, O Holy Spirit, and then help us to resolve to love Jesus like that again. And Lord, I do pray that as this church now is on the threshold of a new level of ministry, that you would cause each one here now to look at the role that he or she must play and then be willing to persevere, to be willing to endure so that your will will be accomplished in the ministry of Good News Bible Church. All to your praise and to your glory. As we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.